if we continue at the current rate, we're going to achieve gender equality well and truly after my lifetime and probably after the lifetime of the, the next generation coming through. And so it's about saying, what are the steps we're going to take to really accelerate progress? Welcome to Illumin, where we explore issues of interest and importance in education. I'm Jacinda Isler, Principal of Brisbane Girls Grammar School and your host. Today, in honour of International Women's Day, I'm speaking with our Chair of the Brisbane Girls Grammar School Board of Trustees, Ms Julie Mackay. With International Women's Day on the horizon, I could think of no better person to have a conversation with than Julie. The interests and advancement of women have been a defining focus of her professional life since she was a student herself here at Girls Grammar. Julie is currently the Chief Diversity, Inclusion and Wellbeing Officer at PwC and previously has served as the inaugural Gender Advisor to the Chief of the Australian Defence Force. But the big turning point in her career was when at the very young age of 23, Julie was appointed Executive Director of UN Women Australia. She worked in that role for nine years and helped to identify and to challenge the laws, policies and attitudes that perpetuate inequality across our society. It goes without saying that Julie has an excellent understanding of global policy responses and best practice regarding equality and inclusion and great experience in implementing strategies to advance women's power and potential in a great range of institutions, including our very own, where we are honoured to have her insight and her leadership as Chair of the Board of Trustees. Welcome, Julie. Thank you, Jacinda. Let's start with a timely topic, International Women's Day. Of course, that's a very important day for you and, of course, for our school. And this year we know that the United Nations topic is Women in Leadership Achieving an Equal Future in a COVID-19 World. We know that it is important to have women at the helm in all areas of society. We know, of course, that they improve profitability, performance and productivity in businesses and boost the well-being and quality of life for people in countries that they govern. And, of course, it's just right. But why is it important, do you think, that we highlight inequality in women's leadership on this particular International Women's Day? I think the issue of women's leadership has been one that has been growing in the level of attention that it's been receiving in the business community, within our universities and, ac and across Australia and of course in politics, in part because there's incredible frustration about the fact we ha haven't made the sort of progress that we would have expected to make. And I remember when I started my career almost being baffled by this problem because I didn't see it coming through school and university. And that was probably a little bit naive. But as soon as I got into the workforce and realised that there were just so few role models who could show young women not just that it was possible to be a CEO, because I don't think that's what everyone aspires to be, but who can actually just show that you can lead in different ways and be authentic and still be very successful in your chosen profession or chosen field. And so for me, that, that slow pace of change is why it's really important to put a spotlight on it this year and to say, actually, if we continue at the current rate, we're going to achieve gender equality well and truly after my lifetime and probably after the lifetime of the, the next generation coming through. And so it's about saying, what are the steps we're going to take to really accelerate progress? And that might be needing to have a national conversation about whether we need a legislated quota for women in parliament, women in business. It might be a, a national conversation about the attitudes that many Australian men still have towards women that need to shift if we're actually going to really accelerate change. 
And it's also going to need to be around women's safety and ensuring that actually until we have a place where women exist safely in society, we're not going to reach equality in, in other areas, including leadership and economic participation. It's an enormous undertaking and it's got so many layers to the challenges that we face. But if we're talking about, uh, with that backdrop you describe, when we're talking about actually encouraging women to put their hand up for leadership roles, and sometimes it does take some encouragement, what would you consider to be the most important factors in that process of encouragement? I think there's a really interesting piece here around sponsorship for women. And so, you know, the last 10 years we've focused a lot on have a mentor, have someone in your organisation or in your field that you trust and you can have a cup of coffee with. And to be honest, I think we all have far too many cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're nice and they Speak help decompress. <laughs> and they're nice and they decompress the situation or you might have a chance to talk to someone who you, you know, admire in a different way. But the reality is it's not shifting the dial. What moves the dial on women's leadership is when we actually have sponsors who take responsibility for opening doors, for proactively thinking about what are the right next steps for you, what are the opportunities, and backing you in. And I remember when I was just you know, 23, as you mentioned, and taking on that role at UN Women, the board at the time made a really conscious decision to sit down with me on day one and say, you are really young, you are going to make all sorts of mistakes in this role, but we will have your back. And we will never publicly admonish you or make, you know, make an issue if you've made an error. Um, we will help you. We will support you. We will open doors. And they behaved like that every day for nine years. And I guess, to be honest, I felt like that was normal until mm. I walked out of that environment and went, oh, wow, that's not the experience that most people have. So that sense of who's actually thinking about your best interests and really supporting you to, to take those next steps. And some of those steps will be personal. Some of those steps will be backwards. You know, sometimes the best thing a sponsor can do is actually, you know, shift you sideways or give you some, some advice to take a step back for a while, but who's really leaning into your success and helping you thrive. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about, as you said, that frustration with a lot of talking, but what you're talking about is some really hard action that needs to happen. And I think when we're talking about COVID-19, obviously, as a particular theme for this International Women's Day, we know it's certainly derailed the lives of so many around the world, and particularly evidence is growing that women have been greatly affected. So how do you see that affecting women in groups and organisations that you are currently working with? So I think in an Australian employment context, what we're seeing is is almost a, a fork in the road where we've got opportunities for many people who work in white-collar you know, office-based jobs for the first time who are able to work from home at least part of the time. So employers who may never have allowed them or thought it was possible to maintain productivity at home now going, oh, actually it is possible, and setting up IT structures and meeting structures and inclusion opportunities that, that make working differently and more flexibly possible. And that has had huge benefits for men and women, but for people with families, for people with caring responsibilities. I think the risk there, though, is that as we step forward, we celebrate that change and we, we acknowledge that change, but what we perhaps don't recognise is we absolutely have seen evidence that women have borne a far higher load of the stress and the in-home care. So in terms of who was responsible for managing kids while they were not able to attend school, women bearing that burden more than men. In terms of potentially home household work, again, women still bearing that responsibility more often than men. And so Without interruption, without actually having that conversation consciously within families, I think we're really at risk of stepping back because what happens for women is if they've got the same workload they always had but more going on at home or more fear that 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 risk is all coming back, you know, the schools might close again, the, the worry... 
we're seeing women start to actually step back from their careers. So I actually think we're at a bit of a moment where flexibility could be the panacea we'd all been hoping for to lift women's leadership, but the at-home burden could also be the step back that we've been we've been fearing. Around the world, you know, again, the issues are very different depending on each country. I, I do a bit of work with an organisation called CAMFED, which is the Campaign for Girls' Education and Operating in Africa. And, and what we're seeing there is where students have really strong support in the community to attend school, they're back, where schools have reopened. But where they haven't, we've got students who have fallen pregnant or have experienced early or forced marriage. And so making sure that we keep working on the laws and policies and attitudes around some of those issues, because again, otherwise you end up with another generation of girls who've been disproportionately impacted as their families have had the economic crisis and the health crisis impact their everyday lives. And having fought so hard for those gains, the last thing we want is a backward step. And as you say, that importance of women maintaining their place to not step back and that issue of role modelling, as you referred to earlier, I guess as a past student of Girls' Grammar, we would imagine that you were exposed or came into a contact with a whole range of inspiring women. But I guess people are always curious, you know, where did that inspiration come from and who helped to shape you and your particular interests? Who were those role models who advocated for women's equality and I guess what in particular was your source of inspiration? I think my mum without ever intending to be a role model was an absolute um, person in my world who made it look possible you know and I even think about things I find difficult now and I think my mum never found that difficult I don't understand what's wrong with me. She just didn't admit Um, it. Yeah maybe maybe. So she you know she was someone who she was a university academic for for her entire career. She changed professions when I was born so that sense that even if you've gone down the wrong path in your career it's never too late to change. You know she balanced work and, and caring responsibilities for us kids again without ever making that feel chaotic or hard. But probably most importantly, I think, put a really strong value on education. So didn't care what we studied or what grades we got, but was very conscious of ensuring we loved learning and reading and thinking and and exposing ourselves to people who had different views to our own. And I think subtly that helped me when I entered the workforce try to keep expanding my network and expanding who I was talking to, because I think it's often easy, particularly in an age of social media, to just only listen to people who agree with you and only speak to people who who support your your views. And so when I started at UN Women, that initial group of board members of whom there were there were nine, again they came from all different walks of life. They were all volunteers in that organization who were there for no other reason than they were passionate about gender equality. But in every single one of those women, I found this sort of role model of how to be kind and a leader and authentic and a leader and to build a successful NGO and to fundraise without ever losing sight of the purpose of achieving gender equality and advancing women's leadership. And so those women gave me a model, I think, to continue doing that. And and as I've stepped into the corporate sector, holding true to that has been really important for me. And, And so if that means I take time out of my day to just talk to someone who needs to have a chat about something or if we do more pro bono work than, than perhaps we should, actually that's, to me, the impact of, of those role models and the important kind of change that I'd like to see in, in the world. What an extraordinarily powerful legacy those women have gifted to you that you now share with others. And I think, I guess it's important now for us to perhaps listen to some of our students. So ask these young women who their role models are or what their conceptions of leadership look like. So I think we might take a moment to listen to them.
Sunday and Sarah, today we're talking about the notion of women and leadership. Um, it's tying, obviously, to our recognition of International Women's Day this year. Sunday, what does leadership mean to you? I think leadership is very hard to define as one singular answer, but to me, I think it doesn't necessarily mean having the best ideas or being the loudest person in the room, but it's about like listening to others and taking on board what they have to say and then having the motivation and the like, courage and the strength to take that on board and then produce a product from that that involves everybody and encompasses everything you want to do for that year. And I think that for me, leadership isn't about myself, it's having kindness and compassion to lead for the sake of others. So you're talking about accomplishing things and that's an important element of leadership, but you're also mentioning a lot about character and certain qualities uh, within a person. Do you think they're equally important, Sarah? Yes, yeah, I definitely agree. I have actually thought about this and to me, leadership is sort of just in general, just support, supporting the team. It might not be winning the race, it might not be even competing. It's about cheering everyone on and being on the side, um, helping the team. And so have you had opportunities to lead, Sarah, perhaps while at school, might be something formal like a leadership position or just small moments in everyday life? Mm. Throughout high school so far, I've done just in general house group captain, house group sports captain, And it's just sort of a fun role to support your house group and get to know your individual house group. And then this year I've been lucky enough to earn the Year 7 Prefect role. And so I've spent a lot of time closely with my Year 7s so far this year. And it's been really wonderful just to get to know them and watch them get to know each other. And I'm sure they've found it wonderful Mm. getting to know you because, as I often say, those young girls look up to you. You are heroes in their eyes and they take their cues from you. They look to you to understand how to behave. You're so important in creating the culture of the school. Has, Has that been your experience too, Sunday? Do you think it's important to be role models to the younger girls as they're starting in secondary school? Yes, I mean, like, going from grade 7 to grade 12, I would always watch the older girls and see them grow as leaders, my family, friends, people that I knew. And like seeing them step into those positions kind of empowers you to do the same when you're older. And I think as girls, you always have a female role model in your life. And I think grandma here has a good culture of always making sure that each girl has a person they look up to and person they aspire to be like. Those younger girls are looking up to you Sunday, but who do you look up to? So are there role models in your life? Maybe it's someone in the public domain or maybe it's someone a little closer to you? A little closer to me would probably be my mum. She's probably the most prominent leader and role model in my life. She works in the field of law, but also on the side she is very busy. She's the head of a board for a homeless support group and she also works with Australian Red Cross in her spare time. And I think watching her growing up, watching her kind of devote her time and effort to other people and just finding ways that she can improve the community and support them in her own way was very motivational to me and I think that as a leader that's something that I want to kind of strive to be like. Do you have that sense of a certain responsibility that you're obviously getting a very good education but that you have a sense just as your mum's using her skills in law perhaps to assist others do you have a have a sense that that's an important purpose in your life Sarah? Yeah I definitely do that actually that just sounds fantastic Sunday really that's very aspirational and I 100% agree that a really good education I think a lot of the time foregrounds really wanting to help the community and support and give back to what 
we have been given. And what about in your, I guess, professional aspirations? So you're all, you know, obviously both uh, planning to go to university next year and perhaps you've got an eye on a certain career. Is there a role that you're hoping to work towards and are there any women who represent something important to you and what you aspire to, Sarah? I actually... I'm in a very lucky position since I think I want to become a teacher and so at the moment it's obviously quite wonderful that I have so many female role models in that career that I am constantly looking up to every day. And have they helped um, inform your decision to become a teacher do you think? Yes, 100%. Every year, I think in year seven, I started off and I was like, Miss Keating, she is why I want to be a teacher. She is the best physics teacher ever. And then the next year, it was Miss Johnson. And it's just continued to grow. And this year, it's Dr. Stevens. I want to become Dr. Stevens. Oh, you are spoiled for choice around (laughs) here, Sarah, which is is wonderful to hear. But what about you, Sarah? uh, Sunday, rather. Um, What are you aspiring to? And is, is there a woman out there who you look up to and admire? I am thinking of going into the field of psychological science, specifically like neuropsychology. I think since year seven I've always been interested in like people and how people think and feel and what motivates them. I actually have a family friend who was a grammar woman and was the school docs of her senior year and she is currently working in the um, public mental health services and she tells me all these stories and it makes me want to pursue that career even more. They're just so enlightening and it's lovely to hear all that. And do you think through your education there should be explicit teaching of leadership skills or is it something that you absorb from those around you or perhaps in the culture of your classroom? I think it's probably not necessary, I think, for explicit leadership teaching because that's a part of almost everything that we do in the end. We pick up and learn from different things that people just teach us on a day-to-day basis. And you, Sunday, started our conversation with how you perceive leadership and and the notion of leadership. Do you think there's anything more we need to do in our society to, I guess, empower girls to take on positions of responsibility and to expand their influence more broadly? I would think, obviously, currently in the 21st century, there's a lot of media coverage about female empowerment and there's a lot of role models around the world but I think maybe starting from a younger age being exposed to those and seeing the media where women are portrayed as amazing and their role models would be good to be able to see them in such a good light and I think grammar also helps us like we always do you know research tasks about role models and how they what they went through so I think that just seeing in the media more evidence of that would be great. Sunday and Sarah, thank you for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. So it's wonderful to hear from the girls about how they see themselves in leadership positions, but more broadly, what leadership represents to them. And obviously, at our school at Girls Grammar, we're in an institution that is deeply committed to the development and advancement of young women. But for you, Julie, in the leadership roles that you've held, not just here at the school, but elsewhere, what do you consider to be the hallmarks of an organisation that truly encourages and genuinely supports equality? And and I guess, how would you articulate how all businesses and organisations could more effectively foster leadership and potential in girls and women? I think at an institutional level, there's something about organisations that really live their values. And so to be honest, I don't see a lot of organisations that get this right. And I think in many ways, the school actually 
embodies what it means to be an inclusive leadership environment, particularly around that board table, where you've got a gender balance, a mix of people's backgrounds, a mix of people who have got direct relationships and involvement with the school and those who don't. But most importantly to me, a sense that every single person makes every single decision through a lens of what is in the best interests of girls' education and empowering women and the girls that we have as students both now and into the future. And that may not mean we always agree with each other. We may all have very different perspectives on how that actually is interpreted. But I think when you get that absolutely fundamental understanding of what we're here to do right, then all of the behaviours and the decision-making and the risk appetite and all of the things that go on with with leadership uh, responsibilities are much easier to work through and to manage. In terms of of opportunities for young women, I I think it's about exposing young women to lots of different fields and, and models of leadership. Because often when we think about who we see as leaders in the media, it's the female CEO, it's the foreign minister, it's people who have very public positions of of power, people who are successful, people who've won awards. And actually, what we spend far less time doing is, is understanding who they are, how they operate in a life, you know, whether what are the things that make them happy and whole. And so for me, one of the amazing things that, that the school does that I valued at the time when I was here, but value far more now, looking back is just having other women come in and talk about their careers as pharmacists, as musicians, as um, scientists, as people who have you know flown around the world and worked for, for foreign affairs or worked in the arts or any industry. And there's no judgment around what you choose to do. It's actually just about how those different pieces of a life come together. And some of the advice that, that comes through that, that I still forget, but often try and remember, um, around, you know, you can have a lot of opportunities, but you may not be able to do everything you want to do all at once. Um, making sure you slow down and actually enjoy some of those experiences. You know, I was absolutely the kid that raced through school, raced through university, kind of raced through those early years of my career. And I'm not sure I ever paused to go wow, I've just been given an opportunity to be at the United Nations. How do I just pause here for a minute and appreciate that rather than, okay, what's on tomorrow? Mm. So I think as we try and encourage young women into leadership, it's trying to release that pressure of that does not mean that you need to be a CEO of an ASX company by the time you're 35. That's not what we're talking about. Mm. What we're talking about is giving you opportunities to be the best version of yourself to inspire others and to connect with your community in whatever way is most meaningful for you. Well, exactly. You mentioned, you know, a lot of our images of leadership are people in very public positions. And and obviously, many of our listeners may not be in a position of traditional or uh, very formal leadership. So I guess uh, my question there would be, what would you advise that they can do this International Women's Day to celebrate women's leadership or perhaps to help enable it? I think the best thing any of us can do on International Women's Day is is say thank you to the women around us. And that might be our mums, our teachers, the people in our community, the women we we know through our, our, our networks or through our workplace. But just to acknowledge the role that they're all playing, not just in doing whatever their, you know, primary activity is, whether that's looking after a family member or a child, whether that's a profession, whether that's something they're doing in the community in retirement, but just pausing and acknowledging that contribution. And I think the other piece that, that we can all do on International Women's Day is have a conversation with the men in our lives about why we still celebrate International Women's Day and why we still need to have a day 
where we actually come together and say the progress is too slow on any measure. Women's leadership is the focus this year, but we still don't have pay equality. We still don't have lifetime earnings that look anything like men in our community. We still don't have workplaces that are free from sexual harassment. We still don't have homes that are free from domestic violence. And so I think actually it's a really micro ask, which is just have a conversation with some of the men in your lives about some of those statistics that are still prevalent in 2021 in Australia and challenge them to think about what their role might be in actually opening doors for women and creating opportunities for women as well. Julie, that's when we think of the girls when they start at secondary school with us, we try to show them the way and try to, as you say, open that dialogue, have that conversation, give them opportunities to practice leadership, but also to have a broader understanding of what leadership entails. You, of course, are the mum of two young daughters. What do you think are some of the ways that younger girls and, as you said, boys can be shown the importance of having a diverse range of people as leaders? I think it starts really early and so I think about my little two-year-old who told me yesterday that women couldn't be police officers and I've obviously failed in all aspects of teaching gender. That was a long conversation. (laughs) It was. Um, I think it starts with the, the pictures they see in books and so being actually really conscious about what I show the girls and when I buy a book or when I go to the library and borrow a book actually looking through it and kind of going well actually you know in this in this book where all the doctors are men and all the nurses are women maybe that's not the right the right image consciously talking to them about inequality without frightening them which Mm. is really hard when they're little but talking about how just because you might see you know a cleaner in a shopping center who's a woman that doesn't make that whole profession one for women or just because there are particular types of roles that are paid less than other types of roles it doesn't make them less valuable to community Mm. and to society and again I'm not sure whether uh, my two and four-year-old are taking any of that on yet but I hope that if it's always been part of the conversations we've had as a family, they at least are aware of some of the challenges and how they might overcome them in the future. I think it's also about giving women hope. You know, we have seen huge changes in society in the last 20 or 30 years. Women have opportunities that our mothers and let alone our grandmothers could never have imagined. We don't have economic equality, but we've got a significantly higher level of economic security than our mothers and our grandmothers had. And so I think recognising that progress is possible, equality is possible and helping to actually make it feel like it's something they can be part of achieving rather than this overwhelming fear is really important as well. Julie, thank you for your time today. Not only have you achieved extraordinary things in your professional life, but through the person that you are and when you talk about the idea of being able to be authentic and a leader, kind and a leader, the example that you set is something rare and deeply valued by all who come into contact with you. So I would like to say thank you for your wise words and that we encourage all of our listeners to do as you say, and that is to thank the women around us. Thank you for speaking with me today, Julie. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to Illumin, a podcast by Brisbane Girls Grammar School. Music for this podcast was written and performed by Year 12 student Alicia Singh. To ensure you never miss an episode of Illumin, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And to learn more about the school, visit the website at www.bggs.qld.edu.au.